So Meg, before we dive in, you texted me this morning. You're having an emotional day. We're going to bring some emotions in today's episode. Yeah. Yeah. I want to dedicate today's episode to one of the sweetest little teacup dogs I've ever met in my life. Mm. Yeah. Lily Purcell. We sadly had to put her down today, which was super sad. And I'm definitely trying to keep it together. But as always, talking to you is always the highlight of my week. So I'm happy I got to do this and get my mind off of it a little bit. <laughs> okay. As I as I accidentally drag you back into it, I'm That's sorry. Okay. I just, I can't imagine losing one of my dog children. Mm-hmm. So I I felt for your mom this morning. I turned to Nick and I was like, Lily died. And he was like, who is Lily? <laughs> and then I had to explain. Yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a tough family member to lose, especially when they've been with you through everything. So. Totally. Yeah, Lily was wonderful. We all did kind of a final goodbye FaceTime this morning, so that was nice. And we're all coming home, all four of the kids, over the next two weeks, so we can kind of spend some time. I think I'll do a little... Maybe we'll have a little dinner in her memory. I think any of our listeners can kind of like probably understand this because I know everyone has gotten a dog over the pandemic and how important they've been to make (laughs) us all happy. And so right now we're just trying to be like, let's remember all the happy memories. That dog was a puppy until the day she died, you know? And so, yeah, we were talking about it this morning. So it's obviously bittersweet, but our fur babies are, are very important to us. Yeah. I'm excited for the day I get to just drop one on your doorstep. But anyways, <laughs> we love you, Lily, and we'll miss you. And this this lovely episode is dedicated to you. I am so, so excited to interview my girlfriend, Kelsey, today. Meg, are you ready for this? Yeah, tell me a little bit about her. She's been in banking for a decade on the media side, then in fintech. Now she runs her own consulting company that's called Impact Innovation. And she has continuously been doing something similar to what I've been doing, which is really like bridging that gap between banking and fintech and helping people have a deeper understanding on the traditional finance side that that want to understand fintech companies better. Mm, I love that. I mean, I did a little bit of research on her, but it's nice hearing directly from you. No, this sounds exciting. Yeah, she's a queen. She's also down in South Florida. So I'm hoping that we can just like vibe off of her vibes because I'm sure she's living up that beach life right now while you and I are both in mildly cold weather to put it nicely. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm excited to talk to her. Should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by StockTwits. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. Hey team, I am so excited to be here today with the wonderful Kelsey Weaver. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Happy to be here. Joining us from Florida, loving the palm tree earrings. Palm tree, palm tree leaf, leaf. Yeah, I thought I thought it would be in my full garb. <laughs> <laughs> my Florida, oh. my Florida outfit with a bathing suit and some palm tree. You're making earrings. me jealous in my turtleneck over here while it rains and potentially hails within the next hour. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. We're just going to jump right into the questions if you feel cool, right? Yeah. Okay, awesome. All right. So in our mind, every woman we interview is a heroine in their own regard. That's you. So in your own words, what has been your heroine's journey thus far? Well, so I never thought of myself as a heroine. I feel like I'm more of like a fighter (laughs) or maybe a hustler. So thank you, first and foremost, for having me and for saying that. I would say my journey is, you know, even just life in general, it's been kind of one of those things where I I was left alone a lot, left my own devices. And my dad raised me, but I was the youngest of three. And so a lot of my life has been kind of like figuring things out when I was like home alone and microwaving eggs and blowing stuff up, not realizing that the way I was approaching things might not be exactly how you do them. So all that to be said, like as I grow up, I always live somewhere in between being overwhelmed and wanting to know everything. So I think that my career-wise, you know, I've kind of just set out to solve different problems. And a lot of it was just through the obligation of knowing that, you know, I have bills to pay and no one else is going to pay them for me. So it was almost like an accidental career woman that got dropped into banking to, I wanted to move to San Diego. So, so I ended up working for bank director. So that was the media side. And then I kind of, what I enjoyed the most out of it was, you know, as a media company, ran conferences, you connect people. You know, I wanted my sponsors to be happy. I was the publisher. And so anything on the business side of that entity. So I started connecting people so that they'd get the most value out of their time at an event. And I feel like that has kind of taken a life of its own where, you know, at my core, what I have been trying to do is solve different problems and make sure to fix things that are broken. And then in the side, I connect people that, you know, I kind of just talk to my friends all day and (laughs) connect people and see what they can do together and thoughtfully doing that. So paying it forward. So, I mean, I think I'm at the beginning of my journey. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to go. But that's how I guess I would say it's been so far. You know, you're probably the first person I think that we've interviewed in what now? 33 episodes, I like it's a lot. I think you're the first person, first heroine that we've interviewed that has really tied a red thread through their childhood of saying, you know, I was born a curious innovator and I set out to solve problems. I think that's really amazing that you have done that and kind of had that childlike mentality. I think all of us, we grow up and we're like, we're not children. We don't have this. We're not creative. So I love that you're stemming from that. I think that's super important for people to hear. Oh, yeah. I was always calling the numbers on the side of the cereal boxes to tell people that I love their product and then get free samples. (laughs) And then I also like wrote a really random sad country song and got a demo made by some random stranger when I was like 11. I'll send it to you sometime. So yeah, I've always been bad at being bored. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like there have been, you know, we always ask people what their tipping point was, but it sounds like there have been many in your life because you just kind of have been going with the flow and figuring out what you like to do. But Kelsey, is there a specific point in your life that you would say you would define as a tipping point? And what was that moment like? Yeah, I don't know that I guess a tipping point implies that, you know, things all of a sudden get easy from there. And yeah, I think that I always look for the next trouble or the next, you know, whatever's hard and to accomplish. So I do think that probably one of my favorite memories or things that I've gotten to do that was just amazing. I got to do the closing for the NASDAQ and I got to actually speak 
but what was cool about it was that my dad got to come. And mm-hmm. so we got our picture on the tower together. And it was so cute. He, he passed away really abruptly two years ago, unexpectedly. But when I was, you know, cleaning his stuff, he had his name tag from that day, not the like he had a picture, you know, whatever. But the fact that he had his name tag from that day, he was just so proud. Because when I was launching Finex Tech, so that was what I would say like, my favorite memory, and, it, and it's a cool thing to be able to say that you know you've gotten to do. But it also, you know, was my first launch for, I guess it was a brand more than a company. But that was kind of a, a big moment, I guess, for me. That's amazing. I feel like so many of us have like. I don't know. I dream about having that moment with my dad where he like is so proud of me that he like keeps something forever from it. I still haven't had like I like I you know, I would love to have a cool moment like that, I guess is what I'm saying, but I that really touched me. My dad was proud that. if I like, you know, I could throw a rock through a window and he'd be like, "Great arm." You know, like he was just like <laughs> never, you know, whatever I did was perfect. Yeah, he was a, a great star, dad. That's totally. what it sounds like, but yeah. Mm. Kelsey, you're so humble, by the way. I love it. You're just like, oh, yeah, I did all these things. But really, at the end of the day, you know, I did my research on you because I'm meeting you for the first time. And you're really what I gathered a thought leader and a multi-seat board member. Like people are looking at you to be like, Kelsey, what do you think? How do we make this better? And, you know, at the end of the day, we talk about finance. We talk about banking. So we wanted to get your opinion on the world of banking today. What do you believe is working and what do you believe is broken? Well, there's definitely a lot broken. Yeah, I don't know anyone that gushes about their banking experience, but I do think, not too shockingly, that the collaboration, you know, you're seeing kind of the attitude change from when I was back at Bank Director starting Finex Tech. It was FinTech was saying banks will go the way of Blockbuster. Banks are thinking FinTech is a fad. They're asking me about the Facebook at events. And so I think that the the attitude is changing. It is getting better. It is, you know, it used to be the unbundling the bank picture showing fintechs attacking the banks. And now you see them as the Legos that are building the banks. So I think just kind of that I'm always kind of a kumbaya person and a little bit on the lazy side of like, you know, if you can do this and I can do this together, you know, that's way better than me trying to learn how to do everything. So I think that that the partnering, you know, now you're seeing all those themes of, fintechs and banks should work together and collaborations and how that's successful. So I think it's getting better. But to your point of it, there's still things that are are broken. I mean, the biggest thing that I think is broken, I guess there's two. I think the, the customer service, not just customer experience in general, but customer service, just at the, the fact that you call I'm obsessed with the idea that if someone just answered the phone first and then put on music, I'd be way happier. But when you have to listen to hold music or get called back hours later, or I've had a horrendous, horrendous experience with Bank of America this past year that I eventually just let them hit my account with fees until it closed down because it had like 20 bucks left in it, (laughs) but I couldn't get a hold of anyone. So I think that customer service is, is an area that really could be improved and luckily, I think I forgot my other one. <laughs> <laughs> what's working? What's working, Kelsey? Well, what's, what's working, working right I now? think, are the, the banks that are partnering, right? What's working is the partnerships and, you know, the banks actually not relying on their cores, which is where it started. You know, they go to the sales guy and be like, 
how can you help me with this? And all the banks, the ones that are are doing it well are also like doubling down on a certain niche. So they're specializing instead of just trying to be this generalist or a commodity. So I think that the banks that care, you can kind of tell. So yeah, that would be my answer. So, I mean, I think there's been this like recurring thread within the mini series that we're working on right now, which is about banking. And it sounds like when it comes to what's broken, it's directly related to the relationship between the bank and the customer, which is something I, I do want to pull apart further, perhaps at a later conversation where we can deep dive into that. But one of the things that you have always been really good at, Kelsey, is, is media strategy. And do you think that there are places where bank ads have not been utilized, I guess, or, you know, marketplaces that have not been inundated with bank ads where they should be? I mean, I think I'm still waiting to see a bank ad in my Instagram feed. Have y'all ever seen one? You want to know what's weird? I actually, because we're like working on different strategies at HMB, I've started noticing Amex Mm -hmm. everywhere. God, I don't think of them as a bank. I think of them as a card. Yeah, I don't either. (laughs) I think of them as my metal card that gets me into airport lounges. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth it just for that perk. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. I, I guess I would just expect more, you know. One thing that was interesting when I was, again, I feel like I'm talking about bank director like it was last year. But when I was at this, that's where I got a lot of my, you know, industry knowledge is about being around boards of banks you know, seven times a year in person at a cocktail, just trying to talk to them about anything but banking. But we asked, you know, it's all another thing that's broken. They're predominantly male and elderly-ish. But when you ask a, a room full of white males, true or false, do you care about, you should care about millennials. This is like when millennial terminology like kind of just come out and like 92% said no, like that you shouldn't care. And the idea was because they don't have money yet. And so I think that that attitude, I don't know, I'm hoping that that's part of what's changing too, but it's definitely a, an area that's that they don't understand and they are starting to care. So to the, where should there be ads? I'm like going to circle back to that question and answer it. But, you know, it's like, where is the customer? And, you know, maybe there's going to be a cool bank on TikTok or <laughs> just where their niche, wherever their audience is. That's where they should be. It was nice to be back in New York the other week and see the ads on the subway. I always love the ads that are that you see on your commute. I feel like it's very ahead of the game. So maybe H and Bradley can go there. That's the dream. That's the goal. <laughs> are y'all doing interesting things? Am I allowed to ask you questions? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> you can always ask questions. We are doing a stealth project that we'll be launching next year that is going to go directly for the throat of Amex. And I'm like super pumped about what that marketing campaign is going to look like. But I have a personal dream and a goal to make a millennial female focused campaign because I don't think we as, you know, Henry's high earners, not necessarily rich yet. Some of us might be rich, who knows, but like, we don't have a great kind of a Linry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Low earning, <laughs> not rich yet. But like, but trying really hard to like figure their shit yeah. out, independent females. And we haven't been targeted well, at least not from what I've seen. I, I have yet to see ads that deeply resonate with me in the, in the fintech industry. 
So I'm bank shopping right now because my bank got bought. So and my card got breached. So time to start over. <laughs> but I also think that nonprofits are, are another group that's not marketed to, which based on their name alone, I can understand how banks may not be interested. But Sebastian Strong is the charity that I'm involved with. And we've raised like well over $2 million. And you think about, you know, if you want the high net worth person, or there's always been this brokenness to me that, you know, payments even takes a slice when it's going to charity. But if everyone was on the same bank, you wouldn't have, it would be an honest transaction. So I'm waiting to see some bank that actually cares about, I know they have a lot of deposits right now, but if the nonprofit, you know, gave money to a researcher at stayed at the bank, you know, they open a bank account, you can still have a big fake check. But I don't see, I think of a, a nonprofit as a small business, very similar, just not profitable, which many small businesses aren't. But I don't see anyone targeting and trying to get that account, which I just find interesting. Kelsey, I love you talking about like being on the subway and seeing ads. I think all of us are, you know, I mean, I'm clearly, I know people are listening to this, but I'm in my bedroom. Like I work here too full time and I do this on the weekends, right? We're all craving kind of the in-person touch and almost, I feel like maybe it's it's going to be cyclical. Like, you know, maybe the the banks that had cafes in them wasn't such a bad idea. I know I like hated on them like Jiffy Lube with like styrofoam cups, yada, yada. But maybe it'll bounce that way of like, you know, we're trying to build a community here. I'm not going to hit you on social media where everybody else is. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it might go back to back in the day out in the world? Yeah, I mean, I one can hope. I think what was the bank in Oregon that, well, they used to feature their small businesses and like they'd had yoga class there and they had different event things. I mean, I also think that, you know, if, if a bank wanted to get my business, you know, them caring about, you know, that you want to care about what you care about. So I've always wanted like a roundup for a charity of your choice card or something where, you know, Macy's matches it and it, you know, then you're like, oh, I'll shop there because it's good for Sebastian Strong. So if a bank wanted my business showing that they give back or branding around, you know, shout out for any bank that wants to sponsor Sebastian Strong. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. All day. <laughs> but yeah, but advertise that way. Do some good stuff. And then, you know, maybe that next generation or the that really cares about the nature. I think that's a good thing about our generation. We care about, you know, who they are. Yeah, you know what? That's actually that's a super fair point, Kelsey. Because so I also work with nonprofit here in Colorado, and I feel like the banks weaponize the nonprofits that they sit on the boards of in order to get like deeper roots across the community, rather than actually supporting the nonprofit in the way that they should. And I'm going to get slammed for making that comment out loud, but because. There's now three banks that sit on the same board with me, but that's honestly a good call out because I've never seen a bank actually be super accommodating of a nonprofit either. They literally, it's just like a tool to them. It's not actually lending them the help that they need. Like they, as a nonprofit, they still come to me for my help instead of turning to one of the actual bankers who should be helping them, which is borderline comical to me. Well, and banks like have to have regulations in order to give back. You know, they're like, <laughs> it's like mandatory community yeah. reinvestment. CRA, you know, the yeah. CRA credits. But they yeah. get, like, are you kidding me? They're you like, literally have to be legally told that you need to be good. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. Okay, so now I'm going to flip it. 
So we're talking about traditional banking, going in, doing yoga. I mean, I'm about that too. Like that sounds, yeah. Like build me a community and I'll give you my money. Sure. Teach me Pilates while I deposit a check. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> These abs don't lie. Okay. But flipping the script. So talking about traditional brick and mortar, what do you think the future of banking is around crypto? Do you think crypto plays a role? Crypto. I mean, I, I feel like there's cryptocurrencies and then there's blockchain. I think the cryptocurrencies are entirely too volatile for like a, a bank's you know mind to wrap around. Right? They have that a spread on a loan that's very finite, and I don't know. I don't know how much crypto you guys own, but mine has been all over the place <laughs> and very down lately. Um, so I can imagine that that doesn't bode well for what we're, you know, wanting our, our stability to be, you know, you still want your money to be safe, but blockchain and, and there are banks dabbling. And I think New York community bank just did something with their own token. And obviously the big boys are playing and, um, but I think blockchain has a lot of use cases in general and just kind of on the infrastructure side and processes that can be improved and you know, all that track keeping as well. So yes or no, you want to be able to go to Bank of America and deposit your crypto. I don't really want to go to Bank of America. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cuss word in my we mind. Talked about this, we talked about this, Meg. The branches are gone. They're dinosaurs. That triceratops is dying. I went to a Bank of America branch to get help, and they told me to call a 800 number on Monday. <laughs> Very true story. Poor baby and ducks. I was like, okay. Yikes. And I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. So I just like won't, I just won't use money until then. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, that's not <laughs> like I'm being sassy. I'll go call that 1-800 number three days from now. Thanks. But yeah. So, so I don't want to go to Bank of America to deposit a Bitcoin. <laughs> I would love to have a Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Give us a Bitcoin. Whoever's listening. Yeah. We'll take a Bitcoin. Mama needs when, some new shoes. You know? When those were new, I had like a, a metal Bitcoin that I'd tell people like, oh yeah, I have one. And they're like, oh my God, that's so cool. And it's like, you <laughs> kind of tell who knew what a Bitcoin is. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll give it to you. It's just oh, 50 grand. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I actually, I love New York Community Bank for a, a wide array of reasons. I think the fact that there are banks finally willing to start dabbling, at least in stable coins, it makes sense to me. Also, not incorporating any form of cryptocurrency if you are a bank also feels silly. Like, I understand that they're going to be 20 to 30 years behind the rest of us, but at some point they will concede to the blockchain, right? Like, they will actually figure out that they need to deliver more accessibility to different types of customers, which will include cryptocurrency customers because you can do like I feel like everyone every banker is like well Syra there isn't any KYC or AML going on there and it's like you obviously have never tried because like I barring like certain DeFi things that I would never do because I would never do that and then not have good accounting for it for tax reasons but if I Outside disclaimer. of DeFi, I think there are lots of... I was saying disclaimer, because I would never do that. Yeah, disclaimer, not financial <laughs> advice, do your own research. No, but I mean, outside of that, I've, ha- I've had to provide a driver's license and like done KYC every single time. And like, it's the same situation where if you transfer money in, they're not transferring money out quickly. I mean, I don't know. Super fascinating perspective, though. I love hearing... I love hearing that you're... It sounds like you and I are pretty aligned on that perspective. So... 
flipping that on its head. What's something that keeps you up at night about the financial system? Uh, I mean, I guess probably to anyone, cybersecurity, I mean, I sound like a big dork, but I feel like the idea that our systems can be hacked, it's just scary these days, anything internet-based, you know, or any with what's going on in the world. I feel like there's just, I don't know, sometimes it's like maybe crypto is safer. (laughs) I just want to hide it all under my mattress again, like they did back in the 20s. I, I think that there's just a lot, I don't know, I have a lot of opinions in the the fear of America game. So I won't go into it for America. So do you think cryptocurrency is currently safer than the banking no, system? I don't mean that comment. I got excited for a second. I was hoping we could have like a hot debate topic. <laughs> yeah, everyone buy Solana. I need it to go up. <laughs> Syra the other day sent me a TikTok of this girl like budgeting really well, but in all cash and putting it in a binder. And I was like, God, that gives me so much anxiety. You lose the binder, you lose the money. And I was like, but that is most of America. Right? No, 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 I know. But like you think about crypto, I'm like, I lose my password, I lose my wallet, I lose my money. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Well, so I'm about to get on my crypto pedestal and I don't want to, but I'm going to really quickly. Wallet is a really bad analogy in crypto. So actually your crypto quote unquote wallet is like a keychain. <laughs> I see you're trying. <laughs> do you see what I'm trying to do here, Kelsey? Because you could actually take all of your cryptocurrency on, I don't know, like MetaMask, and you could technically open it onto like a rainbow and everything would still be there. Wait, what? So you have crypto in both wallets? The same crypto? But they're not actually wallets. It's just a way... It's a keychain. <laughs> It's a keychain <laughs> that <laughs> that holds the keys to all of your cryptocurrency. So you can take your information that's attached to like MetaMask and open it on another platform or same thing with like Rainbow, like any one of those wallets. And you could technically take that information. So where does it live then? In the cloud? In the cloud. Where's that uh, server? On the blockchain? Where's that server? Who owns Don't that hack server? It. On the Don't blockchain. let anyone hack it. <laughs> it's got to live somewhere. Keep, it's keeping me up at night. Where is crypto live? <laughs> That's yeah. what keeps me up. Yeah. Where is it? But but the other thing about like virtual money versus the notebook is when you spend money, you feel it, right? Like when you have dollars exchanged. So you got to create like virtual pain so that when you purchase things online, <laughs> like kind of hurts a little. So you, you realize that you just bought a thousand dollars of wine in Napa. True story that you can't send back. You can't return wine, can you? You No, especially when it was shipped all the way to the Keys. I'm like, what do I do with this besides give it to my niece and nephews for Christmas? (laughs) Christmas gifts for everyone. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm coming to the Keys. I will pick it up and take it home. It's a delicious cab. (laughs) I have one tonight. Ooh, Ooh, yes. (laughs) Queen. Okay. I'm having a lot of fun with you guys, but all right. So for every series we do, Kelsey, we do four questions at the end to kind of rapid fire, get your opinion, blah, 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 blah. And so we're talking about four questions about financial freedom. And we are curious within your world, what advice would you give people if they wanted to start a bank? Where should they start? I mean, I would ask them why. It's a lot of work. So I mean, if they're going to start, I would say, you know, 
really, really, really explore why they want to do that and, and get to know banking because it is it is complex. Like I can talk circles around my board technology and laugh all day, but there is a great knowledge that you have to have to run a bank and how that model works and you know who your audience is going to be and why you know you can do it different, better, faster, cheaper. I don't know, but I would just say you know you have to know banking to run a bank. I feel the same way. I keep asking myself why every time I see a new fintech company pop up. So I'm actually right there with you in a lot of regards. Now that there's like thousands of neobanks out in the world. So what about if somebody wanted to get involved in cryptocurrency, what advice would you give them? Buy it seven years ago. <laughs> Buy Bitcoin seven years ago. Build a time machine. No. Okay. I mean, what I did was interesting. Like I bought, I would dabble is always good advice. But you know, I bought a Bitcoin like literally seven years ago or something. I sold it once it like I cashed out. I bought it at 2000 and I cashed out when it hit like 2500 because I'm a really good gambler (laughs) and left that 500 in. But I mean, I think I did it so that I would care. And so I think just, you know, you need to have nerves of steel to have real money in crypto and not check it very often. But yeah, I think that and don't believe, you know, what your friend told you about that crypto because no one really knows what's happening. That's what I always think when people think they know everything about it or oh, I heard this and I think no one really knows, so just at your own risk. I do buy it, but I think that's a good way to to know how you feel about it. <laughs> you know who I feel like knows? Elon Musk. He knows something. And I always say that because people are like, "Ooh, why would you bring up Elon?" Well, because they'll just tweet and then it's true. (laughs) That still boggles my mind, by the way. Sorry to go on my soapbox of my fury with that. I know it's like decentralized. I know that's the premise and the point of crypto. And I know this episode isn't about crypto. But the fact that a man can tweet something and the market of crypto changes so rapidly is frightening to me. I bet Syrah can even do that if she just tweets about it. So she tells everyone to go buy Solana. We'll watch the price go up as an experiment. You know, we can do that. The week that this episode drops, I will, I mean, <laughs> just to see. No, no bullshit. Yeah. Let's just see what happens, right? Like, why not? Megan, I don't know. I will find you on Twitter and follow you. I'm not good at Twitter either. I'm not really. <laughs> I'm not good at I tweet about media. the weather. I'm like an old lady that complains about weather on Twitter. And I'm like, this is, <laughs> and like, complains at Bank of America. This is why I like you. Because I'm like, I don't get it. The Twitter. <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're not that old. Okay. All right. Next question. What resources would you recommend to someone to make sure they stay on top of the latest financial thing? Obviously, they should be listening to your podcast. No. Also, FinTech Today is good. I like, what's his name? Lex Sullican, his name? I like his newsletter. I, I think American Banker has a lot of information on the daily that's banks you know if you're learning banking and about what's going on there and i also think the fdic website which sounds so nerdy that there's a lot of data there that you can just pull down at any time so i think that that's an interesting resource that people don't really think of so you can go anything from like the peer their financials and things like that that i think is actually a really underutilized resource and my old standby was bank director, so I'll give him a shout. <laughs> that too. That has got some good general themes and, and such. Love that. The good old bank director. Kelsey, this has been so much fun. Frankly, it's it's more fun for me when I get to like 
joke around and then get deep in some of the weirdness when we talk about all the things banking. So thank you so much for your time. Where can our listeners find you, whether it's online, in the real world? They can find me in the Keys if they want to come down the marathon. (laughs) I'm right by the Seven Mile Bridge. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, apparently you can tweet me. I have Twitter, KLC Weaver, I believe. But my email is easy, LinkedIn. I still go by my old Gmail, Kelsey Weaver at Gmail. (laughs) That's an easy way to find me. Yeah. And thank you guys for having me. It's been quite fun. I've never said that about a podcast or an interview. Boop, boop. That's the best compliment we can get. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Next trip, we're coming to the Keys. Keep some of that wine. Yeah, we'll we should. There. We should film yeah. it in person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right Great. on. Thank we'll you so much, Kelsey. Okay. Bye, girls. Okay. If you had to, if you had to take away one golden nugget from this interview with Kelsey, what would it be? You know, I really like how humble she is. And I think after, you know, listening to that episode and talking to her, it definitely took down the intimidation factor I have with some of the guests we have on here. Just because she has such an exorbitant, amazing background and so many people look at her as a thought leader in the industry. So her just jumping off and saying right away, like, I was just a curious kid. I will continue to innovate and be curious my whole life and try to solve a problem. I'm like, that's like a good decent human being. And I think that's a great mindset that anyone should have in any industry. That's kind of what I took away. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. I'll lean into that. Yeah. I One of the things that I love about her is that she is young and brilliant and so thoughtful in not only what she does and her career and at work, but also you know, like talking about Sebastian Strong, talking about the things that she does that truly excite her outside of the office as well. I just, I think too many people get wrapped up in succeeding in their careers and they don't just contemplate, you know, what actually makes you happy and is it just your career or are there things that are going to excite you that are maybe related, maybe not, but are special to you and that really amp up your passion because it's super clear that her passion does involve nonprofits, which I think is one of the most admirable traits anyone can have. Yeah, I love that too. I also want to go to the Florida Keys now because she's like legit. And we got to see her (laughs) a tour of her little house before and she's right on the water. So And she's got some good wine. It's time to go visit. Yeah, we got it. We're starting to plan trips. You know? I know it's time to start planning trips again. We're we're long overdue. We haven't mm-hmm. done anything since CryptoFest. I know. It's almost been a year. Wild. Hey. All Weird. right. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Love you. Love you. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Want to Have Funds. Bye.